This is Kevin Altieri, director of Batman the Animated Series. This is best friend of the show, Monica Cabina, artist and colorist on Batman The Adventures Continue. And this is the DCAU Review. Hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to another bonus episode of the DCAU Review. I am Cal, one of your hosts. Joining me in just a moment will be my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our social media accounts, Liam. Today we have an opportunity to sit down with an incredible writer and someone that has just a, a laundry list of who's who's in the industry of, of animation uh, writing credits that go uh, go decades back, and um, mo- maybe most importantly to our listeners here on the podcast, uh, was responsible for a lot of episodes of Static Shock, and we get into talking a little bit about that today. Mr. Len Yuli will be joining us, and uh, Len also worked uh, on an episode of Justice League as well, a pretty memorable one. We get into talking a little bit about that as well. We talk about his career, uh, how he got started in the television business, how that uh, moved from from live action sitcoms into his uh, work on, on animation, and then uh, from there we we kind of branch off and talk about all things uh, his career. Uh, we talk a little bit about his work on X Men the animated series. We talk about some other uh, smaller projects that he did on animation in the eighties, and then uh, ultimately how he ended up working on the Static Shock show. Talks a little bit about what it was like uh, working with the late great Dwayne McDuffie. Share some really wonderful stories about that, and a lot of other fun along the way. It is a a hoot of a conversation. Super entertaining. Uh, Len is just a, a wonderful human being and uh, has a lot of of knowledge and and fun stories to share. So. 
we are excited to finally release this uh, in interview in its entirety. We did preview a little bit of it on one of our episodes in August, and uh, this will be a, an opportunity to hear everything that he had for our listeners. So without further ado, we'll throw it to ourselves in the past, speaking with Mr. Len Yuli. All right. And as mentioned, we are very lucky to be joined today by a legendary writer in animation, that being the great Mr. Len Yuli. Len, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me, guys. I really appreciate it. And as I said before we started, I think you've probably interviewed everybody I've ever worked with. <laughs> Some of this may sound familiar if uh, if we cross the streams a little so apologize for the redundancy straight you're just, off uh, you're just corroborating each other's stories you know that's right yeah it's, it's our story <laughs> and we're sticking with it that's know. right <laughs> so before we uh we launch into some more uh sort of dcau theme topics we'd like to just start by asking sort of what were your your origin story so to speak getting into as a, a writer and and specifically as a writer in animation Oh, well, okay. It's, I hope you have an, uh, an extra hour. <laughs> uh, basically, um, I became an animation writer quite by accident. Mm. I started out as a, uh, a, a wannabe sitcom writer. I mm. had my first sale on a sitcom when I was 21. I was a junior at UCLA in the film wow. school. And uh, I saw a show got picked up and it was called Homes and Yo-Yo. Nobody remembers it, but it was thir 13 episodes on ABC. Uh, uh, two cops, one of whom was a robot. So, you know, clearly <laughs> right up my alley straight away. But it was by the guys who had done Get Smart. So okay, these were yeah. like comedy gods for me. Mm -hmm. So I read the show, got picked up. I, this would never happen today, but I got a chance to, uh, uh, I called the office, the production office. And I said, can I read a copy of the pilot script? And the woman there, the director of development says, sure. Like this would never happen. <laughs> Armies of lawyers who would make that not happen. Right, so I got a copy of the script. I read it. I said, oh boy. And I wrote a story, not even a script, mind you. And I'd been writing, you know, spec scripts and all that sort mm -hmm. of thing. So then I sat on it. Now, where my, I have to say, at this point, I am a commuter. I am living at home. I am taking the bus to UCLA every day. And what are they going to do? They're not going to hire a guy in college with no credit. <laughs> sure. So I sat on the story. And my mom said, okay, I tell you what, I'll mail it for you. Okay, mom. That's going to happen. Two days later, the story editor calls me on a Friday and says, I'm going to make your weekend. So I said, really? <laughs> and so what he did was they took, the, he, he and his producer partner, they rammed my story together with some other material they already owned from a guy named john landis not sure whatever happened to him but anyway <laughs> you know quite frankly it was probably in pre-production on animal house so i don't think he wow. he missed the assignment too terribly but anyway, <laughs> um so i got a chance to write the script and you know i was cocky i was 21 i thought i knew what i was doing and i was i i, I it was not a I didn't do a great job. Let's put it that way. But, you know, it was a first assignment. And that was great. Following year, I had a TV series format optioned by a production company. It was about the first black president of the United States. Like that could ever happen. Right. Um, but well, it was 19, yeah. 1977. You know, it's ancient history. So right. Two years, two assignments, graduating college. This is going to be easy. What a great career. Piece <laughs> of cake. Rocket to the moon. 
three years of radio silence followed. Nothing happened. Wow. So, for, for you know, if you want to say I was an overnight success, success that's true if your definition of overnight is 10 years. Oh, wow. So, bumped around a few assignments hither and yon, lots of, you know, jobs in the meantime, office jobs, working at a lawyer's office, working as a producer's assistant on Benson, the sitcom. Oh, uh -huh. yes. Writing industrials and corporate shows. And that's where I learned how to be a professional writer because mm -hmm. you're writing for very little money. You're writing for uh, make the client happy writing, you know, taking notes on. So that's how I really learned because whatever modicum of talent I might have had, I didn't have the skill set, the mm. professionalism mm -hmm. that, you know, at the beginning. So that was the uh, series of lucky first breaks. Anyway, sorry, rambling on. <laughs> Eventually, one of the mom and pop companies I worked for in the industrial and corporate thing, the pop was Michael Rye, a voice actor from radio who was the voice of uh, Duke Igthorn on the Gummy Bears. Oh, okay. So, a, a great comic villain. And so he introduced <laughs> me to the story editor, Jim Magon. And Jim hired me to write a freelance Gummy Bears episode and then hired me to write a freelance DuckTales episode, which, by the way, was called Where No Duck Has Gone Before. You'll see, <laughs> you'll see another thread running through that's a Star Trek fanboy <laughs> thing yeah. here. Anyway, so, and then Disney TV animation was ramping up because they were doing the DuckTales series, mm -hmm. and then that was going to be followed by uh, the Disney Afternoon, all those syndicated 65-episode, a two-hour right. block of television, five days a week. Again, unheard of today. But sure. by then, it was like, wow. So they were hiring people left and right, and so I got a chance to go on staff there. And just to put a button on the uh, origin story, <laughs> uh, two weeks after I signed my contract at Disney, I heard from two story editors I had met on the picket line in 1985 for the Writers Guild, and they asked about my availability for the CBS version of Charles in Charge. Yes, I never got a chance wow. to work for Scott Bayo oh. <laughs> or work with him uh, because uh, 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 I had already signed this contract and being the Boy Scout, I wasn't. Oh no, I couldn't possibly. And that oh. was the fork in the road, and that's when I became an animation writer. And so. 47 years in the Writers Guild, 37 years in writing animation. And, you know, on balance, I guess it worked out. You know, I got yeah. a chance to write, you know, 260 some episodes of television. Right. Uh, and I'm, I, and eventually I'll get it right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know in, the, in the meantime, I, I got a chance to work with some wonderful people on a lot of great shows, including some of the shows we're going to talk about today. So, and that's my long-winded version of so what did you, what did how did you get here I have to, <laughs> i'm you know i'm still trying to figure it out <laughs> sorry that's incredible wow what a uh what that's like so many who's who's of of people that are in hollywood that you that you either cross paths with work I, I am the zelig of animation <laughs> I, I have worked with so of show business generally i've worked with or just alongside just a glancing blow with ideal people. And, you know, I'm just sitting here being, you know, the working slob shoveling through <laughs> into the next assignment. But uh, yeah, it's been, it's been weird. I, I can go into stories, you know, the, had I grown up in say Detroit, mm -hmm. I would have gone to work for the Ford Motor Company, right? Yep. Company town. I grew up here in Los Angeles and even weirder than that on the wrong side of the tracks in Beverly Hills. Uh, you know, after the parents divorce, we, we struggled <laughs> to stay there, but mom wanted to have us in good schools anyway. Yeah. So um, 
I grew up with all of these showbiz kids, you know, the sons and daughters of TV stars and mm-hmm. studio heads and things like that. So company town, no other skills. Of course, I'm going to want to be a writer. Of course. Yeah. yeah. yeah the, the first episode, the, fir- the first script I wrote was for, in sixth grade. It was a Star Trek script. <laughs> I had I already had the pointy ears. So <laughs> you know, I could do that. Uh, and and but, you know, and so I've been doing that. I, I wrote plays musicals in high school and student films and like probably most of the people you've talked with it seemed like the thing that i what other choice did i have sure (laughs) yeah absolutely so there you go uh that's that's my sad tale (laughs) no whenever the book comes out we'll be the first one to buy it because that sounds oh (laughs) it'll be a coloring book but All right. Well, well, jumping off of that, let's fast forward the reason why we're having you on the show here. Just even though that's an incredibly fascinating story. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert, we're a DC animated universe podcast. So we're here oh, okay. about, your work, <laughs> about the DC animated universe. And of course, uh, the majority of which came from your work on Static Shock. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about how did you get you know started on that project? Fast forward a little bit from where we left off in your origin story to getting... Right getting assigned to that and then uh the the work that you did specifically we're going to talk a little bit about the the shebang episodes today but yeah how did you get involved with static shock and and in your experience especially for what that show was at the time i think culturally mm. what it means even today yes what's it what's it like having worked on that episode or or that show and 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 how did you get there well, uh have to roll back to when I was at Disney for five and a half years. One mm-hmm. of the people I worked with there was Alan Burnett. The mm-hmm. never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me explain. Uh, Alan is the un- as you well know, he's the yeah. undersung hero of the DC animated universe. Nice. He's a, a tremendously nice fellow and an extraordinarily good writer and a terrific showrunner. But anyway, Alan and I were working on things like uh, gummy bears and uh, tailspin and shows like that together. And then he went back briefly. I think he went back to Hanna-Barbera, but then landed at Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. And so he was running the Batman. I never got a chance to write on the Batman animated series, but of course thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, so eventually when I was no longer at, uh, at, at, Disney mm-hmm. and had done some superhero stuff for Eric Leewald, also with whom I'd worked at Disney, but then became the showrunner on X-Men, the animated series. So, and of course I'd written, I'd, I'd read comic books, mostly DC comic books, in fact, mm-hmm. when, when, when I was a kid. So I knew the lingo there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I ended up, um, you know, Alan was then running uh, in addition to everything else in the Batman series and the Superman. All, he was also in charge of the, um, Static Shock mm-hmm. after it had been developed and he'd been playing a key role in that. Sorry. Um, anyway, so he was kind enough to hire me to work on that. And so I, I ended up writing, you know, 16 of those mm-hmm. uh, on Static Shock. And so uh, I was on I was there as a freelancer, as a story editor, as a freelancer, you know, sort of the the arc of the thing, but got mm-hmm. a chance to work in all four series seasons. And um it's a well, as you well know, it is a spectacular series. It holds yep. up extremely well, yep. and mm-hmm. part of that is, of course, the origins of it, mm-hmm. because uh, you know people like uh, the late Dwayne McDuffie and Dennis Cowan and all of their cohorts yep. had created this wonderful universe, the Dakota verse, in 
uh, for Milestone Comics, which was yep. the, as you know, the first um, you know uh, African American owned comic book yep. company, mm -hmm. and they did amazing things there. And Static was uh, you know developed as an animated series, you know, brought a little younger and things like that, but. I had an affinity for it. I, you know, got a chance to write quippy dialogue, which is kind of my thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so Alan was kind enough to bring me in and let me do all sorts of wonderful stuff. And that's also where I met Dwayne McDuffie, for whom I eventually also worked on a couple of iterations of the Ben 10 series over at Cartoon Network. Nice. Uh, and we can go on for another hour about what an extraordinary genius, honest to God genius, Dwayne yeah. McDuffie was. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, so I, I again, I, I digress. <laughs> Working on Static Shock was a, a wonderful experience with some very talented people. And because, again, of the showrunner in charge, in this case, Alan, later on the Ben 10 series with Dwayne and Glenn Murakami, you mm -hmm. got a chance to work on a show that was, yes, a kid's action adventure show and great fun. And everybody after the treasure and things blow up and we get the same. <laughs> but also we got a chance to do stuff that was about, I'm sorry if this sounds ostentatious, but the human condition about yes. stuff that matters, you know, you know, that, that, that comes from the heart. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Dwayne and Alan, they wrote a, 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 a show that uh, got a Humanitas award about uh, gun violence, about bringing a gun to school. Mm -hmm. I got to write uh, a, an episode um, called frozen out. That was about, yes. um, Love mental, that episode. Mental illness and the homeless. Yep. Now, this doesn't sound like kitty fair, does it? Not but at all. <laughs> when you have people who are willing to go to bat and say, okay, yeah, we're not going to do another uh, villain of the week. Yeah, we can do those and we and did them very, very well indeed. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Um, but, but we got a chance to write things that mattered to us mm -hmm. and within the confines of, you know, long underwear show. Mm -hmm. so we're just, you know... That, again, one of those things that was so lucky for me that I got a chance to work with such brilliant people all at the top of their game, you know. And so um, that's there were a, a lot of shows uh, to, that I worked on where that has been the case. Static is one of them. I, I yeah. consider the static and the Ben 10 runs for me, uh, again, mostly freelancing, uh, mm -hmm. particularly on, on the Ben 10. But I got a chance to work on stuff that, that mattered, that I can look at with pride and... We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. We're very well made. So, yeah. you know, I came out ahead in that regard. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that, I mean, that's one of the things that we talked about. I mean, even going back to that was what made uh, what made Batman the animated series, why it's still impactful today is because you can look back at those cartoons and compare them to other cartoons that were being developed at the time. And that right. sort of set the precedent that was then carried on. And especially like, but even more so with static, when you have it coming from a, a position of writers that are, have experiences that a lot of other people haven't had, and their goal is to get those messages out there. For instance, you know, talking about racism or mental illness or, you know, uh, classism or some of the other things that 
that I mean, how many cartoons covered that stuff on a weekly basis for a cartoon that was that was aimed at like Saturday morning kids, you know, from eight to eight to 15? Like you didn't you didn't have that. So it is one of the reasons why we believe that that static is such an important and often overlooked cartoon is because this is stuff that wasn't talked about or wasn't being talked about at that time. And yeah. now culturally has been brought more to the forefront. And you can see like, man, these guys were trying to talk about this stuff and kind of shine the spotlight on this stuff 20 years before it was, it was in the, in the more mainstream eye. So yeah. What, a, what an incredible legacy for that show. You know, the, 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 the thing is there are a few shows that I've worked on that give that gave us the chance to do things like that. I, I, I mentioned X-Men, the animated series, mm-hmm. you know, Eric Lee Weld ran a spectacular show that was, not written as a kitty show. It mm-hmm. was really good drama or melodrama or whatever you want to call it, but we were able to tell stories. I mean, the whole basis of it is about prejudice, right? Mm-hmm. It's about the other. And, yeah. and you know, and we got a chance to talk about incredibly important issues that were important to us, all of us. Yeah. We got a chance to read that show. And the same thing with, with you know, as Static. You know, we were just, it was a, a a wonderful wide palette. We could we could paint in all the corners, and we could mm-hmm. do big silly, and we could do um, I mean, Night of the Living Brain Puppets or whatever I called it, um, Attack of the Living Brain Puppets. I had to look <laughs> yeah. up my own credits. <laughs> you know, not not a not a um, uh, uh, not a humanitas winner, but <laughs> so much so much fun to write you know Ooh. and we we just we got to do we were we were doing body snatchers and we were we were, we were doing a reese witherspoon movie right. we were those together you know it's Absolutely. like okay why not it's a cartoon we mm-hmm. do weird things and then and that's that was so great about working on shows like that and and you you brought up the 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 three things with shebang you know mm-hmm. uh again uh, full, full disclosure the original, the first episode, uh, Shebang, mm-hmm. uh, was, was uh, a story of Alan Burnett. So he he created the character, and I, he handed this teleplay to me. Mm-hmm. And so I got a chance to write that character and develop that character uh, mm-hmm. and, and sort of find out who she was, uh, in addition to the, you know, the f- great foundation he had provided me. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard this from many of your other interviewees. We, When you're working in a freelance or a staff situation, you're in the service of the series and the series is supervised by the showrunner, by the supervising producer, whatever the terminology mm-hmm. they use. And those are the people you, you want to please them. Then they'll hire you again. <laughs> but you also, you know, you, you, you can't go off and do a musical if you're doing a dark drama. You, right. can, you know, you have to sort of fit within the guardrails and then find your own way of expressing yourself within those parameters. So, uh, you know, in this case, Alan wrote a, a great story and we had, you know, terif- terrific producers and directors. It was interesting. I went back and and watched the three episodes. First mm-hmm. of all, I had forgotten the one in the middle. I had forgotten the parent trap. <laughs> I also, it was funny. We had that same discussion amongst ourselves. We were like, I thought, because it's shebang, shebang and she back. I was yeah. like, okay, it's just those two, right? And then yeah, I was looking. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank I, thank know, God I, for Google. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but it's actually, I enjoyed it. I mean, first of yeah. all, you know, we had a really good villain, uh, Ron Perlman, who's a yeah. fabulous actor, played the bad guy in that. Absolutely. And it was like, there was this, it was watching it so many years later, it was like a surprise to me as audience. It was like, 
oh wait what are the parents doing right (laughs) you know so i is a surprise i you know after all these episodes i've forgotten some of them (laughs) um but it was it was a good experience i enjoyed watching it again you know Mm -hmm. uh and and again all of the performers oh my gosh you know andrea romano the voice director he would cast people you would never think would even do a cartoon but she she had this phrase come and play with us and then she'd get all these incredible people to do a cartoon episode and so that was the case and i got a chance to work with her on several series at various studios Mm. (laughs) excuse me and wow what a pleasure because she just to, to focus on one person she was the one that sort of she could find subtext in what you'd written that you didn't know about. Mm. I mean, it would be helpful if I could remember the episodes altogether. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, question. but she she was just wonderful in in bringing stuff out and bringing performances from people that it was just brilliant nuances and funny stuff. I mean, a lot of these people are just so hilarious. There's there's nothing for a cartoon writer. There's nothing no greater thrill than being able to go to a recording session and hear these people who are funny and brilliant and quirky and uh, just so wonderful bringing your words to life and and making them so much better and you know i i got lucky right off the bat when i was at disney working with people who were the voices of my childhood you know like june foray rocking bullwinkle and yeah. paul winchell and people like that and Corey burton who was one of the younger guys back then one of our and, favorites oh, yeah, I just so all of them so versatile and and terrific, and you know later on working with people like Maurice Lamarche and Rob Paulson, who are just you they walk into a room and you start laughing immediately, right? <laughs> so, you know, and then you see you know they bring in like somebody like Andrea would bring in you know somebody like all these big TV and movie stars, and you say, oh wait a minute, I'm going to fanboy now, right? So, you know, it's it's just like you know, I mean. Uh, where else would I meet Mark Hamill? Right. Except in a recording session of, of Static Shock, uh, you know, I did I did the first yes, the the big leagues of the superhero crossover. So it was the big leagues that was Joker showing mm-hmm. up in Decoder, mm-hmm. and uh, that was um wild. You know, okay, <laughs> look, there's Batman. Oh, look, there's Luke Skywalker. Right. Uh, you know, and, uh, what <laughs> happened here? But that was. And by the way. All lovely people, self-effacing, funny, charming. You know, it's just, uh, again, pretty good way to earn a living, you know? to, to get <laughs> yeah. this, you, know, you put the words down and somebody says them and they're funny. And, uh, <laughs> you know, okay, thank you. I'll take that. Right. There you go. I was going to say, I think for us personally, I think the big leagues where we probably slept on the first season of Static. And then that uh, when the big leagues, we saw Batman and Robin were coming to town. That's kind of when we jumped on board the series when we were kids and kind of kept watching all the way through after that. So that, that was a very well, seminal episode for us, for sure. Glad, glad, glad to be the gateway drug here because <laughs> you know, uh, uh, static static was, was uh, a wonderful experience. Was, you know, again, top-notch people. And I think it should have gone longer, but of mm. course, as I'm sure you've been told, Oh, they couldn't get a toy deal, you know, because <laughs> You know what the rationale would be. Oh, right. we couldn't possibly sell toys with uh, Black League. But yep. right. God, I don't know. Talk to the people who've done Black Panther. I think they were wrong back then. Yeah, you know? they were wrong oh, back then. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, eventually, I think there were a few toys after 
maybe Justice League Unlimited or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's like, yeah, come on. It was a great character. And I, I loved writing him and Richie and, and uh, all the others. It's just, it was really, it was a picnic because you, you get, you get yeah. to just do all these funny character asides and then you get to do big action. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, and, and no complaints. <laughs> what more could you ask for when writing writing a superhero show right well residuals but don't get started <laughs> on the disparities the there place to start yeah. yeah you walked into that one sorry guys uh <laughs> that's uh, good uh, yeah I, I would just say as a as a follow-up to kind of your your you know the pride you have in static shock i believe i read you read you wrote or your credit is writing 16 episodes of that series if i'm not yeah not mistaken, yeah. and then also credit as a story editor on on some others. So, can yeah. can you just kind of for this maybe a little bit get a little bit inside baseball on what is a a story editor? What is their job on 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 a show? Well, that's you know it depends on the show. When mm -hmm. I was a story editor working, uh, Chris Simmons and I were story editors working for Alan Burnett on Static, and so basically. We were, yes, we edited, he would say, okay, this great script needs to be rewritten, or would you take this story and turn that into a teleplay and stuff like that, when, you know, we're trying to crank through all of these episodes as quickly mm -hmm. as possible. Um, sometimes, and so basically, we're kind of being staff writers and staff rewriters and things like that. However, in animation, because the the sort of job titles are much more limited than in live action you know you can see all the other credits that people have on a situation right. to play, for example but here sometimes a story editor can be the showrunner that's the mm. title they've been given depending on the studio you know or head writer or things mm. like that so for me i was not a showrunner that was alan's job uh but i was able to sort of be you know useful that's that's i mean for anybody who's writing a freelance episode or writing a you know, on staff, you're you're feeding the machine. You're trying to be helpful to to the guy who's your boss or gal who's your boss. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, especially if you're a freelancer, to turn in a script that makes your story editor have to spend his or her weekend rewriting you, <laughs> that's not a friendly thing to do. You're not right. gonna, you're not gonna you're not gonna be asked back. You right. know, uh, a story editor I used to work for named Stan Berkowitz. He said. I want to find the people who will make my life easier. And right. so that, that's exactly right. Your job as a writer is to be useful, to be the utility infielder, to be the guy or gal who can say, okay, you want a happy funny? You want a sad sorry? Whatever it is, I'll do those things for you. And then you can do your magic. And then we record the show. And a year later, you get an episode, you know? So uh, very yeah. insightful. I love that. Yeah, I, sorry, I, I I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but you know, uh, that's what we do here. I said that's one of the things that was <laughs> that's one of the things we're always excited when we get someone who you know who worked on these shows, especially in different facets of it, whether it's writing, directing, yeah. storyboarding, whatever. We love majority you know. majority of my career has been as a freelancer. I, yes, I was on staff at Disney for five and a half years. I was. Mm -hmm on staff in one form or another at at warner's for a year a year and a half things like that a couple of other things but most of the time it's just been uh you know put me in coach you know uh, you, you you've got you've got work you've got a show how many of these can i do for you right you know, that kind of thing. because as you also know as i 
hinted at with the lack of residuals, <laughs> writing in animation is not as well compensated as writing in live action. Right. So you have to be a volume business. You have to write as many as you can. You know, if you've got a rhythm going and you've got a couple of people who are willing to hire you, you kind of got to checkerboard it to make your nut, you know, to pay your mortgage, to whatever, to put your kid through school. These are things that, that, yeah are different in in live action where the and and you know we're on strike right now at the right yes, mm -hmm, absolutely but they're on strike because the studios would love to have especially now in the, the streaming model they would like to impose the business model that i have worked under my entire animation career small or non-existent writing rooms suppressed wages no residuals and they'd like to impose that on all the shows that you watch that you love on mm -hmm. the streamers and the networks you know network television it ain't what it used to be you know there there were people who were making millions of dollars who had great you know they could afford two houses and three divorces you know that kind of thing but these but today there are people on award-winning shows on the streamers particularly you know the six eight episode shows mm -hmm. and they have to take a second job because you know like a, a real world job because mm, yeah. the they 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 get to write for six or eight episodes uh, on a series they're on staff for you know a much truncated period of time and then there's no work for a year you don't go from show to show to show wow. and it it's not right it's making it impossible yeah. to be a writer in the current yeah. business environment so yeah. that's why the writer's guild is on strike and i have now immediately dated this recording for you <laughs> so you know, when people watch this they'll say what strike well, so, I was going to say, sorry about that. The strike might be over by the time our listeners hear this, but I'm going to guess uh, the issues you raised will not be uh, settled. Uh, they are significant. They are uh, they are industry changing, but I won't continue on my soapbox. <laughs> we can oh talk God. about all the politics in the cartoons. <laughs> That's right. Hey, they go hand in hand if you watch closely, especially with the DCAU. There's a lot that, of well, commentary. I would say it's funny you mentioned X Men. It's like, oh yeah, we hate comics that are political in nature. We hate superhero <laughs> stories that have a you know that talk about you know racism or sexism or or bigotry you know we have you never read the comic books right exactly what is wrong with you people yeah i, yeah. I no, remember it's... there was about a month ago i think or maybe two months ago on twitter uh, that people were talking about this and complaining and regardless of where you are politically on the spectrum all i had to do is go back to the 1940s and pull up all these examples of comic books of them promoting buying war bonds doing this like it has been whatever whatever political happenings have been happening or or societal happenings have been happening comic books have always been a part of that conversation it is not limited well, yeah. to 2023 right and if you think of all the people who created the superheroes that we all know and love i mean mm -hmm. it's the immigrant experience yes. it you know let's punch nazis yes. you know? <laughs> and that's where all these guys came from the right. the this Kirby's and Simons and the Seagulls and Schusters and all those people came from the mindset that we're lucky to be here. We love our country. And by the way, let's punch some Nazis. Right. <laughs> and, you know, they, you know, it's just, you know, and truth, justice in the American way really was real and, and heartfelt. Yeah. It was not cynical, Absolutely. you know? So uh, it, yeah, this, that's the origin of, of the guys, in the long underwear and the case. That's what this is all about. We're, we're fighting injustice. Absolutely. We're fighting for a better world. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, on X-Men, uh, I'm sorry, this is not on topic for you guys. But, okay. You know, the, the, the first episode I wrote was uh, uh, the introduction of uh, 
Iceman. Mm -hmm. Really, what it was was a story about a dysfunctional fa surrogate father-son relationship. Mm -hmm. The next two episodes I wrote were using the character Nightcrawler, mm -hmm. uh, whom you see over my see shoulder. Yes. shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and that's the first time in mainstream animation that issues of faith were discussed, particularly in the first episode. Yeah. And then the other episode, uh, uh, Bloodlines, was about the dysfunctional relationship between uh, 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 Kurt Wagner, Nightcrawler, and his mom, who's Mystique and not Parent of the Year. Okay, <laughs> and so you know, it's just like again. I got lucky. I worked for people who said, yeah, go with this, run with this, do something that that speaks to you, because that's the dirty little secret. We all are writing for ourselves. Yeah. We're writing to uh, it's a weird mentality. You know, writers have profoundly low self-esteem, and yet we think we have something that everybody has to hear about. <laughs> you guys should know what I think about X, Y and Z. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a just. What a what a strange way to earn a living. Okay, <laughs> and yet here we are talking about saying, where would, where would we be without it? You know, yeah, that's, yeah, that's... yeah. Well, we'd be reading more books, but anyway, <laughs> where would the fun where would the fun be in that? I, I don't know. You mentioned working with the late great uh, Dwayne McDuffie, so uh, a a criminally underrated, and I I don't think he's he's i don't think he's gotten his flowers so to speak even even today even as people are beginning to discover just what the impact he had on not only the comic book industry mm -hmm. but certainly the cartoon industry his writing in the third uh, in the the seasons of justice league unlimited that we've covered some of the episodes and obviously watched when we were growing yeah. up just okay. to this day thinking about again this this idea of these episodes being written during the Bush administration and talking about like, you know, government oversight and where where the government's, you know, where where the government's line is drawn versus, you know, the betterment of right. the world versus the country. There's so many deep yeah, things inter that interventionism <laughs> and, and you know. Who 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 holds the most powerful accountable and things like that? Just like, in, just incredible topics. Again, that we're, we're talking about things that you you wouldn't necessarily expect to be covered in a in a Saturday morning cartoon. But do you do you have any anecdotes? Any anything that you remember specifically working with him, whether it be on Static or Ben Ten, that you can just say point to and go like, man, this is a a great story for example of what an incredible human this guy was. Well. Yeah. All right, you see, this is the part where I start crying. So that's oh. going to be really nice. But uh, <laughs> I, I did not. Dwayne was early on on, on Static Shock. Dwayne was uh, not. A, he wasn't involved with Static that much. He wrote episodes, but he was not involved in the running of the show. Mm -hmm. But in fact, he may have even. But when I just started, I think he had just moved from or was going to move from Florida and came here, and and right out of the gate this guy moved up so quickly because of the extraordinary intelligence and talent that he had mm -hmm. um you, you know people use the word genius in a cavalier manner in the entertainment industry oh he's a genius because he wrote this show or whatever <laughs> Dwayne was an actual genius i mean he went to college when he was 14 or something then he went back to high school to have a normal child and then he went back to college and had got two degrees he would read he would read a book a night he would write a script faster than anybody and it was better than anybody else could do i learned a, a whole lot writing about writing when i worked for him on on ben 10 
Uh, and and he had seen what I had done on Static Shock and liked what I had done for his character, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he, when he went over to reboot Ben 10 and make it a little older and things like mm-hmm. that, that's when he said, you could come and write for me. And I said, oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, we, we, I got to know him. We were not, we were not buddies, but I was thrilled to work for him mm-hmm. because he was so damn smart. Oh my God. And, you know, it was a little intimidating. I mean, just, yeah. he was about six foot 19. He was right, yeah. and, and intimidating. And yet is incredibly droll and, and bright. So smart and so well read. And, you know, it makes me feel like I'm, such a dummy just being in the room with this guy. And and so, you know, outside of the uh, am I really supposed to be here? <laughs> um he was just so wonderful and got again, um again, again, off topic for you guys, but on Ben 10, we got to write a bunch of stuff that was, you know, very funny. I did one called Con of Wrath. It was a, just a <laughs> romp. But but there were really dark ones too really sort of interesting psychological studies uh and just i don't know i i i think i've i've met a, a few people who whose talent is just so blindingly bright uh, mm. he's he's at the top of that list i mean i've worked with some really great writers you know sure. yeah but he's but there was just something uh, astonishing about him and the fact that he did so much in such a short period of time that's perhaps the greatest tragedy of his his premature demise because he was he had so much more to give yeah and uh, meeting him working with him uh knowing him was was a privilege mm-hmm. um anyway, sorry sorry that's good no, no that's why it's just go back and and just watch some of the runs on on um Alien Force and Ultimate Alien, the shows I worked for. I I also worked on uh, Omniverse, which was the mm-hmm. last of the three series, and that was run by his widow uh, Charlotte mm-hmm. and his best friend from high school and college, Matt Wayne. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, continuing the legacy, he had developed the show and then passed away. Mm-hmm. And so, but but I, I the stuff that I I worked on for him, um, and. Uh, like I say, all of 24 episodes for the whole run for me, but but yeah. I think I did 18 or whatever for him. It just what an experience! Oh my, my god! It just yeah. anyway. I'm I'm just now now, we, now I'm now I'm just going off into <laughs> so you don't expect me to be coherent for a couple of minutes. I apologize. That's no, that's quite right. We threw you a curveball, so thank you for being yeah, vulnerable and sharing that yeah. stuff with us. Oh, no, no, it was just just what what a remarkable individual and and um everybody who worked with him was enriched by the experience of doing so and uh, some became great friends of his uh uh eugene's son i think uh, he was one of the people who introduced charlotte to uh Dwayne. and so uh wow. you know they, uh you know there there are a lot of really just wonderful great writers but lovely people who yeah. were part of that whole period in in life so yeah. um yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, I think yeah. that. I mean, if anything about Mr. McDuffie's legacy is that I don't think that I've ever read or heard somebody in an interview say any any cross thing about him. If anything, it's always been what an incredible human being first, and then 
talk about who he was, just what a brilliant person he was. So it's not not surprising to hear hear that he was just, you know, he, from, from your perspective. He also had the courage of his convictions and he did not suffer fools gladly. And <laughs> if there was some uh, you know, some uh, executive who, you know, was going to give notes that were not based in anything except personal opinion. Um, I don't think he much cared for getting those notes uh, <laughs> because the thing about him was he was always right. right. <laughs> he, he could tell a story better than anybody. So, and, and again, this is the thing with people like Alan and people like Dwayne, mm-hmm. you, if you hit a roadblock, in about 10 seconds, they would say, oh, no, here's what you do. And it would <laughs> always be right. Wow. Alan could walk into, you know, people running around with their hair on fire, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a meeting or a production meeting or something like that. And he said, ah, oh, here's the here's the solution. And he'd tell them and everybody would calm down. This sort of Zen master would do. And with Dwayne, it was just like, OK, um, I'm going to listen to you now. And, <laughs> and it would all be resolved. And then you'd go home and you'd do it. And, he, and you'd say, oh, gosh, that is a good idea. <laughs> so, you know, it was just you know, that for, for, for you know, the, the, the stumble bums like me, you know, who are just, you know, glad to be there. Uh, you, you know, this, that makes our job easier because you just say, OK, but now I, I know what to do because I listen to this guy. Yeah. right anyway. you're like it's like performing the trapeze act but you have a net there to catch you <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good uh, uh, an ex- extraordinarily talented net yes <laughs> boy that's a weird analogy <laughs> but yeah Sorry. maybe that doesn't hold off exactly but <laughs> no whatever it's it's it, we, we know where we're going for there it's just there we'll, we'll workshop that one yeah absolutely <laughs> get back to us but uh, yeah, so uh, kind of wrapping up, we've already, I think, touched on a few, but outside of, say, Static, um, you've mentioned Ben 10, you mentioned X-Men, some of your work at Disney. What are kind of the, the 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 projects that you've worked on over the years that you see as the ones you're most proud of? Well, you know, starting out on things like DuckTales and Tailspin and Darkwing, mm-hmm. things like that, that's a pretty good way to get your feet wet. Absolutely. You know? uh, and then, uh, you know, and and Winnie the Pooh and, and all the other things. X-Men, the animated series was great because when I was done at Disney, when I didn't renew my contract, Eric Leewald had already gone over and he was running this show. And so I had a soft landing in the superhero business mm-hmm. and got a chance to sort of work between the funny animals and the people in long underwear and all that kind of stuff. Um, I also got a chance to write some home video features. Uh, one, a uh, couple of them, the American Tale three and four, uh, oh. which, uh, and Land Before Time seven. Only one Land Before Time, but so I got to work with you know Jewish mice and mm-hmm. and talking dinosaurs. So yeah. that was fun. Uh, recently, I've worked for a guy named Rob Hoagie, who's a fantastic showrunner, mm-hmm. and he's done shows like Stillwater, which is on Apple Plus. Beautiful, gorgeous preschool show just mm-hmm. just spectacular and so different than anything else we do because it's all about mindfulness and it mm-hmm. dials down the kids instead of jamming them up you know right. <laughs> he also, a few years ago he did a redo of thunderbirds are go which yes. was a puppet show back in the 60s from the brits but it was redone with uh, uh peter jackson's company did the special effects and it was practical effects and cg characters and it is absolutely wow. beautiful also and fun 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 so you know i've i've and i, I, I even just one-offs i did uh uh rescue bots for nicole dubuque and brian holfeld and i got a chance to do uh use maurice lamarche to do a war of the world spoof yes. again oh, you know awesome. sometimes when you get to meet your heroes <laughs> uh, you know, 
So <laughs> I, I just, and you know, listen, I, there, I have a number of shows I've worked on there and it's like, did I do that? Oh yeah, I did six of those. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, nobody's going to look for my tombstone and find dork hunters from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's there somewhere. You know, uh, and, yeah, and, I and I was I'm very glad to have the work, by the way. Let's not any employment because, like I say, it's it's a volume business and you're scrambling all the time to get the next gig. So, you know, glad to have all of the jobs, you know, Absolutely. you know, and uh, and you get a chance to write. Uh, I did one for, for Matt Wayne called on a show called Cannon Busters. Mm hmm. And that was like violent and sexy and, <laughs> and you know, uh not using those muscles when I'm doing Hello Kitty, but you know, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's, and that's the lesson that you, you've got to be able to be uh, versatile enough that you can say, Oh, that's what's selling. Now I can, I can learn to do that. Or I can do this kind of show too, because mm. you know, that's the thing. Tastes change and the kind of shows that are being made now are very different than the kind of shows that are being made when I started out in the stone age. So you know, uh, and that's another show I worked on too, called Stone Age. But <laughs> good, that's good. Ah, it's hard to keep track. Boom. <laughs> anyway, so so you know, what can I say? It, I've been very fortunate. Mm -hmm. I've worked with so many talented people. They've been kind enough or silly enough to hire me. Um, so it's it's been a good run. I'm I'm not done yet. I'm not dead yet, as they that's say. Right. In but uh, I'm I've uh, I've had a, a nice time of it for the most part, and uh, I'm I'm very very fortunate. I'm very grateful. I was going to say it's it's fun that you shouted out some kind of those one shots you did because something I think we found because we you know we mo mainly do these main Alan Burnett Bruce Tim shows, yeah. but sometimes we venture into other DC animated stuff or even a you know you know weird little one offs once in a while just to shake things up. And what we find. Every show is somebody's favorite show. Mm -hmm. Every time we do a new, you know, whether it's Young Justice or or we did an episode of the Spider-Man animated series for an April Fool's episode last year. Right. And, and as soon as we announced, you know, we put on our, our Twitter that we were doing that, we just immediately got a bunch of responses like, oh, my God, this is this was my show. This meant so much to me, you know. And that's, you know, so you always think about that when, you know, when you look at someone like yourself who has has such a you know, versatile body of work to your name. It's like, yeah, every one of those shows meant a lot, you know, meant a lot to somebody. Well, yeah. And, and Greg Weissman between Gargoyles and the, mm -hmm. uh, just the team, uh, you know, all those very, very powerful, impactful shows that mm -hmm. people adore that there's fan followings. That's the thing that we, you know, people like myself, we go to these conventions, not as much now, but we <laughs> do. And we hear the, the the common phrase is you made my childhood well yeah. to us it's like well that was my day job <laughs> but then but then we hear how much these shows mean and that really that's it's it's it takes our breath away it makes it's humbling because all of a sudden we understand that it wasn't just you know aren't we clever we, we have no other skills we're going to be writers <laughs> Um, but we, we 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 get we get this wonderful feedback from people uh, talking with guys like you. It's like, how lucky are we that we get to do this thing that people remember fondly and they're introducing their children to it. And it's like, mm -hmm. wow. So that that's like, OK, that's a perk we had not anticipated. Yeah. There it is. You know, you have, and, you have a legacy. Like. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I say, residuals would be nice too. Right, but that would be <laughs> much better. Yeah, <laughs> a, a legacy and an annuity. But you know, <laughs> you can't, don't get can't me cash in, Can't cash in. Uh, your yeah. thoughts and no, that. but but the 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 the, the affection is. It's it's a different kind of remuneration. It really is kind of wonderful because, I mean, we we hear how much people loved it and how it was part of their childhood, and it was in some cases how it got them through their childhood. Yeah. Whoa. Absolutely. I mean, gosh, we were just doing jokes, man. You right. know. And yet here we are, and thank you is basically yeah. it. It's just yeah. anyway. It, it it's it's a whole. It's a lot of fun, and it's also quite moving. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. So I think now if we could just kind of touch on the shebang episodes with a little bit more. Uh... Oh, oh, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, it, like I say, the first one mm-hmm. based on a story from Alan, and that was great. Um, and and got a chance to establish the the tension between mm-hmm. Shanice and and Virgil. Mm-hmm. And the second one. I think the tension ramped up a little. He he got kind of pissed at her uh-huh. in the midst yeah. of that because she was sort of being cocky and that was covering up her fear. Yeah. And then and then we did she back she back excuse me <laughs> she back. and that brought in the other great character I got to work on that I created with Alan's uh, uh, guidance was Madeline Spalding. That's right. Who, who was our 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 election our our uh, Reese Witherspoon character <laughs> and with superpowers because what were we doing but you know it, that that was a lot of fun because we we got to see you know two very strong female characters one psychotic uh <laughs> you know uh and and again what an opportunity to write such fun characters, work with great actors. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how uh, how can I go wrong? That's uh, we were just it was so much fun to work on those shows. And again, thank you for reminding me. Yes. I did one of them, but <laughs> I, you know, I, I guess I should drink more coffee. I should learn <laughs> to drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. I'm going to find out how. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been uh, it, it's been dandy. I will again digress back to um, one of the shows you mentioned, which Justice League. I did get a chance to write um, that sort of. I wrote one and a half parts of Metamorphos uh, mm. show, Metamorphosis, and you know with Tom Sizemore, who's gone now, uh, in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what was so fun about that was right because I'd read the Metamorpho comics mm-hmm. growing up, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, you know the, the people involved. It was directed. I think those were directed by Dan Reba, who's a terrific director. Uh-huh. Uh, they had um, they really did great on the models because that really looked like the comic books. Yes, and absolutely. so you know, and and the late Earl Bowen, I believe, was the voice of yes. of Simon Stagg. And yep. what a creepy, horrible person he was, yes. who had an unusual affection. <laughs> his daughter yes well we covered it i was gonna say it's like it's not even subtext it's just text in that story (laughs) (laughs) sound like any former presidents we know (laughs) sorry guys i just lost half your audience you know we talk about it we call them uh uh, retroactive easter eggs when we when we see things that happened at a time period where things haven't actually happened yet but then we look back at them now and we go like everybody's alluding to that everybody gives the simpsons credit for being uh, of course does that brilliantly but that's, that's, we'll say there's that's, a lot in uh in, in these shows we review too that uh 
Well, I mean, that's that's an army of really smart writers, too. But <laughs> and they get residuals. I'm sorry. I keep coming back to this. <laughs> it's important. Oh, this is not going to go over well with me. Uh, <laughs> there hey, goes I, the rest of my career. <laughs> get out of here. Yeah. Uh, no, but the, those those episodes, I mean, the the one and a half episodes that you're uh, that you're responsible for. And, and the teleplay on the second part was written by Dwayne McDuffie. Because wow. I guess there was a time crunch or something. I don't remember oh. the details now, but it was like, okay, I'm working on mine. And he has to pick up and do the other thing. And of course, you know, gee, uh, happy to have Dwayne write anything. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that I, I uh, benefited from his talent there on the, the tail end of my time on, I, again, my brief time on <laughs> Justice, which was a brilliant show. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think it all comes back to what, what we've been talking about there, especially when you mentioned the superhero shows and being able to tell, you know, interesting character stories in the midst of the explosions and the tights and everything. And you, yeah. you brought it up with the with the Shebang episodes. It's like that first one, it starts out as this kind of really fun, light, like anything you can do, I can do better, battle of the sexes feel to mm -hmm. it. And you mm -hmm. think that's going to be the episode, but then it becomes like a spy espionage with this secret government facility that's you know experimented on this poor girl and she and her parents have been running for years and she finally feels like she's found a place where she can show her true self to the world but you know they find her anyway and her parents just trying to be the protectors trying to be the you know get a little fugitive right. action in there like a fugitive story yeah. and yeah that kind of being the through through line for all of her appearances of her looking for that sense of belonging both with Virgil and Richie as character, you know, as, as a superhero, but also, you know, you're going through to the, to the second and third episodes where she's trying to fit in at the high school. It's like, what, a, again, it's a show aimed for all ages, but for, you know, for kids is like, yeah, going to a new school and you're like, everybody tells you just be yourself. And then you be yourself and people kind of pull back a little bit. Right. And then you go, well, what do I do now? And her her dealing with that through a superhero lens, I think, is really fun and really accessible to anybody, but especially I think to you know kids and teenagers who were in school at the time. You you nailed it on the head. Thank you very much. I mean, it really is. I mean, we were all kids once. We all had this experience and continue to to this day Absolutely. in a work environment, right? Instead of being in in your elementary school class, we're all of us we all have those feelings and that we get to express them. What a privilege that is. What a, what an opportunity and that it resonates for others makes these shows successes, you know, uh, yeah. to one degree or another. And I think static was a success. It was, it was really, I think the highest rated show they had on even in repeats. Yeah. Oh, you know, it was, it was really a, sure won an Emmy too, didn't it? Oh uh, yeah. We, we, um, I, I was I've been nominated for five Emmys, never won an Emmy, oh. um, but um, uh, we were nominated twice okay. on Static. Uh, there, uh, I, 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 I'm not sure. Maybe something on the art side got uh, an Emmy, uh, certainly well deserved. Uh, you know, and of course the Humanitas Award that Alan and and Dwayne shared. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a top notch show, top notch. Sure. Glad to be part of it, and and. I I do look fondly back on those times, you know. Yeah, and maybe my last my last question as far as that as a writer, once you've turned the script in, turned it, 
are you able to be involved with like when the director and the storyboard artists are working on it? Are you involved at all? And are like, are you speaking with them about how you kind of envisioned a certain scene going as well? Or do you leave that more to the, 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 the masters to, to make their magic? Well, both. Mm-hmm. If, if you're on, if you're a freelancer, no, you don't get a chance to right. do <laughs> You watch the show a year later. Right. But for, when you're on staff, as I was during a period, part of this static time, I got to interact with the directors and the storyboard artists. Mm-hmm. And it was an absolute, that's the kind of collaboration that you dream about. Because, you know, you could look at the board and you say, oh, that's brilliant. And you plus this. And, oh, by the way, you've got, and you can also, because it's a collaborative thing, they can say, you know what I'd like to do instead? And I'd say, oh, well, that's great. Or I can say to them, Guys, I think you've got a camera direction problem. You need to flip that because mm-hmm. this is going to happen there. And it's it, that's kind of give and take. But yeah, working working in that situation, you get a chance to look at the character designs mm-hmm. and you get a chance to see what the, how the boards are going. And yes, you get a chance to go to the recording sessions, which, as I say, oh, oh boy, is that fun. Mm-hmm. So cool. You know, no, I'm not in there calling retakes. I, that, not, that's, right. not, that's not the job of this staff writer in any way of course Mm. but but i am privy to what's been going on i mean i remember back in the day at disney um i'd written an episode that was a superhero spoof for Mm -hmm. ducktales and um i was handed the storyboard and they said congratulations you're five minutes over you've got to make the cuts so i did and that was an unusual situation yeah. because I've overwritten the the, the masked mallard. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was I I obviously I was meant to be doing the the Clearly. The, the spandex shows. Yes. <laughs> even in in uh, even in in back in the ducktail days, even in the early days. But uh yeah, so you you sometimes you get those jobs. And mm. so it's 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 a teaching moment. And this is, uh, you know, what what we all want to have. We want to have people who are all on the same team working on to the, the same goal. Right. And when you're a freelancer, that's simply not possible. But uh, for those who are fortunate enough to be working, uh, you know, a staff situation, uh, there's nothing better. It's just great. It really is. Len, thank you so much for taking uh, all of this time with us. We can't believe that you donated uh, over an hour worth of your time with us today. Thank you for thank being you so much. generous with that. Uh, oh, thank we- you for inviting me. I just, I, I, It's a pleasure to talk to you both. And thank you also for supporting all of these shows that are, were so important to all of us who you know, got a chance to work on them. That was what a, what a nice thing that you remember them well and, and have opinions about them. Yeah. And uh, want to share what uh, what you feel about what we've done? Yeah, 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 that's good. No, that's perfect. No, thank you for thank you for taking the time and and just as you said, since we are fans, thanks for all the hard work that you thank put you. into making this show the, the everything else that may, we haven't had the opportunity to appreciate. That, as we mentioned, is probably somebody else's favorite or they remember fondly out there. So. Uh, thanks for all of your life's work and we're excited to see what else uh, what else you're doing so uh, feel free to let us know <laughs> once once the strike is is over and hopefully conditions have uh, improved please let us know if there's anything that we can share with the good people that you're working on that's coming out we're happy to to share that because uh, we love supporting people that have worked 
in the DCAU, uh, you know, as, it's the least we could do. Yeah, it's the least well, we could do. As a thing. I, I, I actually, I do have a sitcom pilot that takes place in a struggling animation studio. Huh. Uh, <laughs> right, what you know. I'll say, where's the inspiration <laughs> for that come from? I uh, just completely out of hold. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and but uh, you know, whether or not that ever sees the light of day, who knows? But but uh, I'm told it's amusing, so. You know. There we go. Well, we'll fingers cross our fingers and, say, well, and say some prayers. Say, knock on wood. When it's coming back on, we'll hopefully get we can have you back on and we can uh, we can talk about it. And oh, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I, I, up to you. Do you want to like share your social media handles? And I'm 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 plugs and all that. Len, I'm at Len Yulia on Twitter. I I don't really have a I I stalk on Instagram. I don't really post on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And no, my FaceTime is for me and my family. There so, you go. I, mean, I should say my Facebook. FaceTime yes. is definitely me and my family. Definitely for you and your family. That's I misspoke. Sorry. But yeah. No, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, you can, you uh, mostly you'll see me posting on Twitter uh, about, um, you know, running to, into personal heroes and fellow picketers uh, on the picket line. Uh, I'm usually uh, picketing I've... at Amazon or Sony or and next week there's a picket uh, an animation picket uh, outside of the Walt Disney Studios. Well there you go. Well where well, else better also, to well, pick it? I would say <laughs> it, it made sense at the time. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> you know, uh fighting the good fight waiting for a fair deal and uh thank you for your support. Absolutely. I'll just say personally you know our our dad uh was in the Teamsters union for a very long time. Okay. And you know, he, you know, he always said, you know, they aren't unions aren't perfect, you know, and but they're the best shot you have at, you know, getting getting any uh, that the individual worker has at, at getting anything resembling a fair deal still. Absolutely. That gave us, that gave us a, a good childhood. The fact that he had a job that was in the Teamsters Union was afforded us a lot more that a lot of people weren't weren't able to. So, OK, I'm going to give you a little tip. Sure. Look, Lindsay Doherty. She mm -hmm. is uh, local 399, the Teamsters out here in uh, in Los Angeles. She's the the the, the Teamsters who work on drive the trucks and mm -hmm. other vehicles out here in the entertainment industry. She's a force of nature. She uh, is fantastic. <laughs> she has a Jimmy Hoffa tattoo on her arm. <laughs> yes. she, she is amazing. Just watch the speeches. Not for kitties. Her oh, language is a little coarse. <laughs> yeah. More than a course, <laughs> but she is hilarious. I, I, I there was a Writers Guild um, meeting a few weeks ago at the Shrine Auditorium, and I, I rode up in the elevator with him from the parking structure, and it was like, "Ooh, she's intimidating just standing here." And she is articulate and uh, uh, persuasive. Check it out your 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 Teamster blood will will just bubble with excitement about her. <laughs> she yeah she's she's great and standing side by side with the writers as are all of the other unions, uh, the uh, IATSE uh, including the Animation Guild the, the people who do the covered the shows that we've discussed. Mm -hmm. They're standing with us. There's been periods of animosity between the two, but we're all united because the giant multinational corporations, well. Um, they don't have our best interests at heart. Let me put it to you. So um, we we all have to stick together. Absolutely. And, you know, unions created the middle class. Yeah, right. In Detroit and other places, unions, uh, yes, not perfect because you get three people in a room, you're going to have office politics. But unions are the only way th that we can 
survive as workers in any business. Absolutely. I, was, I was at a picket last week that the janitors are are organizing when their contract is expiring awesome. because the people who own the buildings are treating them poorly. Yeah. You know, the Teamsters just made a deal with um with the people who produce commercials. So mm -hmm. that's it, it's worth the fight because yeah. we're all back to chattel and that's not a great place to be. So yeah. anyway, sorry to end on a no. <laughs> note. No, 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 not at all. Well, again, yeah. thank you so much. So Leonard. much fun. Yeah, we Guys, will... really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And I uh, look forward to hearing it next month. And a special thanks once again to Mr. Len Yuli for joining us on the podcast today. Man, what a wonderful opportunity to sit down with him and just hear his experience uh, throughout the industry, uh, his passion for uh, the SAG after strike that is currently occurring still. Uh, this uh, interview was was recorded uh, a little over a month and a half ago, and we're still in the the middle of that. So, I uh, love hearing his thoughts on that and his passion for why uh, that strike matters to so many people in the industry. And uh, yeah, we thank Mr. Len for his uh, for his time, for his candidness, and his uh, willing to share so many wonderful stories. Uh, we look forward to hopefully having him on again in the future, uh, perhaps to talk about some additional static episodes. But it was awesome. If you didn't get the opportunity to listen to our Len Yuli Appreciation Month, check that out in the archives. We have four specific episodes, all penned by Mr. Yuli all kind of intertwined and related, as you heard, uh, talking specifically about the character She Bang. And uh, so check those out in the archives at dcaureview.com or on your favorite podcast app. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Don't forget, there's a couple ways that you can support the podcast. Uh, you can do so by following us on social media at DCAU Review. You can also, uh, if you listen to us on a podcast app and it allows you to leave a review, if you leave us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate that. You can also check out the show notes here, and uh, there's a couple of links in the show notes on how to support us as well. Uh, you can uh, donate to us if you'd like to uh, and subscribe monthly with a monthly donation, or head over to our merchandise store and pick up a shirt or a hat or a mug of some kind to support the pod. And uh, of course, you can also, uh, if you don't follow us on a podcast app, perhaps you consume your podcasts on YouTube, head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower, where you not only get our entire catalog, but you also get some great content from other DCAU creators like the Watchtower database and Tim talk. Don't forget, uh, we will be continuing with our month of justice league unlimited reviews as we, uh, as we continue here in the month of September on our standard episodes and Liam and I can't wait to cover those. We are right in the smack dab in the middle of the amazing Cadmus story arc written by uh, the aforementioned Dwayne McDuffie. We can't wait to go through those with you. But until then, I'm Cal. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. <laughs>